You're listening to the Jets Nation Podcast. I'm Cody Bueller, joined by my brother Kyle. Today's show is going to be a special one. We are answering questions from Twitter, from you, our listeners. Bunch coming in today, so we're going to go through those one by one, and we're going to be covering a wide variety of topics. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. So to start off the show, just want to mention a few things going on at Jets Nation. There's a lot of exciting things going on right now. Uh, super excited going into the Christmas season. Uh, we're ca- actually counting the days until Christmas. Uh, we're calling it the 12 Days of Jets Miss. If you haven't checked it out, check it out now. Uh, go to JetsNation.ca. So we're essentially counting down the days and using the significance of each number um, to kind of go into a, a specific post of the day. Uh, for example, the number 12 day was representing Dustin Bufflin's 12 seasons in the NHL, just talking about that and his great career and so on and so forth. So just a great little event uh, kind of leading up to the holiday season, lots of fun. Uh, the other thing I want to mention is that this is going to be f- uh, going to be featuring all the new contributors to Jets Nation. Uh, recently picked up a bunch of new contributors. Uh, go check them out. There's a, a mailbag or an, a- an airmail, sorry, on Jets Nation with all the new contributors, uh, some details about them. You can follow them on Twitter. Just a lot of exciting things happening right now at Jets Nation. Well, Jets Nation is really about Twitter. Uh, We get a lot of uh, questions. We get a lot of interaction on Twitter. Great way to interact with people. And so that's what we're doing today. We're going to answer some of the questions and some of the topics that have been brought up for today's show. And we're going to start with Graham Smith, 15. He asks, uh, what is a great need at the TD? Center or LHD? Now, I'm thinking he's meaning... What's the greatest need at the moment, center or left-handed defenseman? So that's what we're going to answer. Uh, Kyle, let's uh, throw this to you first. So before we get to this, uh, I like the, the the handle Graham Smith 15, but so many guys have numbers in their handles. What do they represent? Does this mean Graham is 15 years old? Maybe he was born in 2015. Was he? So <laughs> he, he's three years old. Probably not. I'm just going to say probably well, well, not. But you, you see the significance of all those the, the recent NHL players wearing their year as their number. And we've seen that for a number of years. So you see a lot of uh, usernames on, on Twitter in the, the 80s and 90s. A lot of people use those numbers. Um, maybe it's just a personal favorite number. Maybe he is 15 years old. Maybe that's his jersey number when he played hockey. Maybe he's born on the 15th day of the month. Feel free to hit us up, uh, Graham, in the comments. But back to the question. Uh, greater need at the moment, center or left-handed defenseman? Well, I don't think center is a, uh, is a need at all, really, uh, to be honest. Maybe you could bolster it similar to last year with Paul Stastny coming in um, because when you have Shifley as your number one obviously he's a clear-cut superstar in the league there's no denying that anymore uh, Brian Little has been serviceable as a second line defense or a center um, Lowry has been I think really good so far this season I think he's one of the best third line centers in the NHL yeah, so maybe if you want to improve that fourth line um, it'll be interesting to see when Cop comes back because Tanev, Lowry, and Perot have actually been playing really well together. I know they had tried Kopp down as the fourth line center for a while. I would like to see Kopp centering that fourth unit, maybe with Rozovic on one side and a guy like Appleton or Patan or Lemieux, any one of those three on the other wing, just for a different look. And I think that's a strong center core for the season. And maybe, just maybe you want to bolster that for the playoffs, but I don't know if you need to. Um, So I'm going to say left-handed defenseman is more important right now. But that being said, I don't think it's actually as big a concern in years past. Morrow's been okay. Uh, Kulikov's actually looked, Morrow's been hurt a bunch too. Yeah, Kulikov's been looking better since he's come back from that injury. I'm going to say okay. And, and Sherrod's been serviceable. So once again, could you use an upgrade? Maybe. But I don't think either of these are, are big deals right now. But I think those are the two biggest needs though for the Jets. Like they're stacked along the wing. 
They're they've got they they don't need another goaltender. You're not going to find anybody much better than <laughs> Connor Hellebuck because he gives you a really good chance to win every night. You're not really going to be able to upgrade that. The and right shot defenseman, you've got Truba and Bufflin and Myers and like really there's not a lot of room to upgrade. Defense and center are really the only two positions and I'm kind of with you there as well. Uh, center is pretty solid. I think there is still room to upgrade Brian Little. And then whoever's that fourth line center, obviously there's still room. But I would say the greatest need would be a left-handed defenseman because after Josh Morrissey, there's quite a big jump between Sherratt, Morrow. I'd like to see more from Niku. Uh, he just got sent down, and that's a whole other topic. But I think there's the most room for growth for a good, solid, number two left-handed defenseman. And obviously there would need to be some uh, moving around. There'd have to be some guys leaving if you're bringing somebody like that in uh, just with uh, the log jam. But there's definitely a room for a second pairing, in my opinion. Uh, if we take this long on all the topics, I don't know if we're going to get to all of them today. Uh, we're going to go to number two. Uh, Jimmy underscore Peg uh, his, is Hellebuck... Long-time listener of the show, by the way. Yeah, thanks, uh, Always thanks, commenting, so thanks, Jimmy. Uh, is Hellebuck getting blamed for poor defense? Um, yes and no. Uh, he is, in a sense. Hellebuck has not been at the top of his game. He's been playing better the last few. Right, so if you go back to the start of the year, it's not just that he's getting scored on a lot, it's that he didn't look confident in the net. And he looked like he was fighting off pucks more than usual. He was getting... he. It just looked like he was... Struggling reading the puck off sticks. He was getting beat on shots he shouldn't get beat on. Something was going on. That is the fault of Hellebuck. That being said, if you look at the shot charts and the shot maps, uh, last year the Winnipeg Jets absolutely dominated in not allowing high danger chances. Um, if you look at the shot map, it's a giant blue ocean right in front of Hellebuck. This year, almost the exact opposite, at least at, at the early going. So I think it's definitely a little bit of both. Hellebuck has not been up to par and the defense is not helping him out as much as last season. Agreed. It is 100% both. Uh, Hellebuck definitely hasn't been playing as good. The defense hasn't been playing as well either. Uh, there is room to improve for both. Uh, and even against the game last night against uh, the Edmonton Oilers, there was ones bouncing off of skates. It wasn't really Hellebuck's fault. And so there has been some that have been his fault, others that haven't, and then some that are just going to go in no matter what. So I think uh, there is still room to improve in all aspects. Uh, so I don't. Th that doesn't really answer the question, but other than the fact that a good combination of both. All right, so next up, uh, we've got Java Cali. Uh, where to get center like N. Backstrom, Nick Backstrom from Washington, to feed Line? So uh, this is going to be the final question here to wrap up segment number one. Uh, Kyle, where do we get a center like Nick Backstrom to feed Line, like Backstrom feeds uh Alexander Ovechkin. Um, you ask where. Those aren't very readily available players. They're pretty tough to find. Yeah, so I would say uh, you're going to have to give up a lot if you're trying to trade for somebody like that. Um, if you might Let's just trade for Nick Backstrom. Oh, simple as that, right? Um, but if you're looking for a rental type player, you might be able to find a pending UFA that is known for assisting, similar to a Paul Stastny. I don't know. I haven't checked recently what the uh, UFAs are, um, but it's going to be interesting. Teams are going to start selling regardless of um, UFA or not. Uh, rumors that Vladimir Tarasenko is up for discussion to be traded and players like that that shouldn't necessarily be traded. So maybe there is a deal to be had for a playmaking center. Now, just taking a look at the TSN trade bait board, and so some of the players who are available according to TSN, so take that 
however you will. Uh, the three centers kind of at the top, and we'll actually look at the top ten. There's four centers. Kevin Hayes coming in at number three uh, with the New York Rangers, 26 years old. He's got a he's a UFA 5.18 cap hit. I don't know if Kevin Hayes is the answer, but maybe there's a guy that could play in the middle uh, with line A. Uh, Jeff Carter, he's more of a shooting center, not really known as a playmaker. Uh, he's on the list. Uh, Charlie Coyle, he's got one year left on his contract after this. A younger player from Minnesota. He's maybe a fit. Uh, he could be a good second-line center in Winnipeg. Uh, and then Matt Duchesne on the list, and obviously he's a playmaker uh, as well. Uh, so just looking at those couple of guys, uh, those are potentially options, and those are really uh, the only centers when you look at the top 20. So there's potential, but if you're getting those guys, you're generally going to have to give up a fair amount. Do the Winnipeg Jets need that? They've got Shifley. He's a great playmaker and a great passer, so there's somebody they already have. Maybe it's just moving line A up. They haven't, we haven't really seen that, a lot of that. There's also Blake Wheeler. He's probably the best playmaker on the Winnipeg Jets, and he also plays with Shifley. So really, if you're looking for the best playmaker to play with line A, they're already on the Winnipeg Jets. And that's without making a trade. That's just making a roster move. I don't know if this is really answering the question, but maybe I would look at Charlie Coyle. I think he'd probably be easier to get than Duchesne. I don't know if I'd even want Duchesne if he was available. Your thoughts, Kyle? Well, I think exactly like you said, you have one of the best playmakers in the league on your team already. And yes, Blake Wheeler's a winger. Maybe you want a center-feeding line A. But Blake Wheeler's ability to pass the puck is outrageous. And he's very near the top of the league now consistently in assists. So I think you want to maybe try some combinations if you really need Line A going. I know we're going to dive into Line A a little bit later and his uh, maybe lack of scoring. Um, but I think you want to kind of, like you said, promote from within, maybe shuffle around if you're really looking for that playmaking. Actually, let's just put this next question right into segment number one as well from J.W. Corwell, also a longtime listener. Uh, appreciate everybody who listens to the podcast. Uh, his question, or I guess topic that we should discuss, Line A's proclivity. Nice word. Uh, for streakiness. Uh, Kyle, your thoughts? And I, we've kind of touched on this in past episodes, and so I, I feel this is something we have touched on a little bit in the past, uh, but we've both talked about how Line a is a very streaky player. He will go through the month of November tearing up the league, setting team records for goals in a month, five goals in a game. It's unreal, the numbers he puts up. And then he'll go five games, you don't really notice him, doesn't really score a goal, maybe he'll chip in one here or there on the power play, and then all of a sudden he's got a couple of multi-goal games again. And maybe that goes to back to the center feeding him the puck. Maybe if he had a better center like Nick Backstrom, and maybe if they traded for Charlie Coyle, or if they moved Liney around in the lineup, maybe we would get more consistency. Your thoughts on that? Well, it's possible, um, definitely possible. It, maybe some different line mates would give him some more consistent output. Um, it, it seems that people thought Line A would, as he ages, get more consistent. And, and we still have yet to see that or not. He's still a very young player. He's only in his third season. He came as an 18-year-old to a totally new country. You could say he's still getting climatized to the game and the style. Wow. I don't think that's I, right. No, I think so, he's so is acclimatized. He, is he still developing? Yeah, I think most players under 25 are still developing to a degree. So, does that mean you still give Line A one, two, three more seasons before you say he's streaky and he can't produce consistently? Uh, maybe you have to give him some more time. Regardless, I think it, it is a problem for the Winnipeg, Winnipeg Jets because like we mentioned before, what happens if he goes six straight games without a goal in the playoffs 
and you're bounced out, and there goes your season. And then you're paying him $12 million and he didn't produce at all. And, like, on, and on the other hand, you can have a playoff run, 18 goals in one month. That's 18 goals in one playoff. And that's basically. easily, that's enough production that you probably are in the Stanley Cup Finals. Yeah, exactly. So, so that's it, <laughs> You live by the sword, you die so, by the sword. So that expression fits here. It's a coin flip of if he's going to produce or not. So it is just finding that. And a lot of the young players have this. When the, the games that they're on, they're really on. The games that they're not... They're really not. Like, like, there's no in-between. There's been a lot of goal scorers over the years that are like this, and goal scoring is one of those things because goals are more rare, they often come in bunches and are a lot more random. Yeah, exactly. Compared to a guy like Blake Wheeler, Mark Scheifele, kind of those overall players that are consistently finding those chances, getting assists, scoring, but, but those pure snipers are going to have those droughts. Maybe a guy like Ovechkin doesn't have as many of those, but they still exist for all those types of goal scorers because if you, got, if you really think... The best goal scorers in the world line a about a 17% shooting percentage. So that means you got to take a bunch of shots to get a goal. So what happens if he just gets unlucky, hits a couple posts? It's very easily four or five games that he goes without scoring. But just back to the streakiness, the one thing I have liked from Line A, he's started to get a couple of assists in the last couple of weeks. He's also, I've felt, hustled a little bit more, and hustle is a very tough thing to measure. But in my opinion, just from watching him over the last few games, it feels like there's a different effort level or there's something a little bit different opposed to what we saw at the start of the season. And so then that's a great way to combat streakiness and maybe we'll see a little bit more consistent play. He doesn't need to be scoring. If he's putting up assists and he's not a defensive liability in his own zone, to me, that's a win if he's not putting up goals. And so I think that maybe the streakiness could be reduced a little bit if we can continue to see more of that effort and more of that. And again, it's something that's hard to quantify and it's hard to measure, but hopefully we can see more of that consistency from Patrick Line. So we still have a few more questions to take a look at some fun ones regarding defense. uh, And that's coming up in a few minutes. Okay. When I said a few minutes, I lied. Uh, Basically, I mean right away. Well, I wasn't sure what you meant. I just mean, we want to put in a little zip and a zap so that we can measure it later. Well, I guess so. Point, so you, point you is. heard that zip zap about 10 seconds ago now, so now we're getting into the second segment. If we keep dawdling like this, it will be a couple well, minutes. Well, you, you could do that. <laughs> I don't think we want to do that. Uh, I got a chance to get go to the game last night uh, for the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, it was my second game, actually, of the year. Uh, I don't usually get to more than one per season, so it was nice. Got a friend uh, taking me to the game last night. I had never seen Connor McDavid in person. Uh, and this question actually coming from... Uh, Ian underscore Hamilton 01. So again, not sure if he was born in 01, the connection to 01. He is one year old. Maybe. Uh, But uh, he just basically said, what a great game last night was. And as somebody who is in the building last night, I love the atmosphere. Just when the Jets score a goal, there is something about that group massive high where everybody's just so excited. The building's roaring. You score a goal. I can only imagine what it's like being on the ice when you score and the building erupts. That has got to be the most unreal feeling. And I could definitely see how that could be like a high. You get a rush from that. And so the game last night, as a fan, it was amazing. For the Jets, there is definitely some things to maybe be a little bit nervous about. They're down one nothing. They come back, they score three straight. They're up 3-1. And then Edmonton scores three straight goals. They're up 4-1. 4 3 4-3, sorry. They're up 4-3. Jets dominating the third period, tie the game. Connor McDavid hits the post in overtime. Then the Winnipeg Jets win in overtime. Josh Morrissey with a nice shot. So you look at that, it had everything you want as a fan. 
lead changes. You don't know who's going to win. Great play from the Jets. Lots of goals being scored. The Jets probably weren't super excited about it. I know as a fan was. But when you look at the game last night, it wasn't a bad game from the Jets. Even though goals went in, I think there was two goals that went off skates. I think, and when you look at those, it's it's how do you... Like, Connor McDavid is the best player in the world, and we saw why. And being in the building, you see, like, even just in warm-up, watching his hands, watching his routine, his speed, his quickness, the way he moves the puck, it's impressive. And whenever he steps on the ice, you just instantly knew. You could see, you could just kind of feel McDavid's on the ice. And he was generating chances. He set up a couple of those goals last night, and, like, they're bouncing off of skates. They looked like they were one they reviewed, and you could debate whether there was a kicking motion. Uh, we don't get the best... Review on the Jumbotron. It looked kind of like he was stopping and he was kind of deflecting it in. So there was movement towards the net, but I think they just said he was stopping. And so that's why it counted. But either way, I don't, I didn't really fault Hellebuck too much. There was one that maybe was a little bit soft, but again, it was right in the slot. There was a bad giveaway, a couple of bounces, but the Jets battled back, dominant third. I liked what we saw last night from the Jets, even though it was a one goal game in overtime. Yeah, so it's interesting because the Winnipeg Jets have been prone to giving up leads, uh, specifically in the third period this year. This time they did it in the second period, trying something new. <laughs> so they go they go up 3-1, and, and I thought at that point, you hope to score one more, but a 3-1 lead is enough that you can win the game. Well, it, it lead should is be. really should be technically. So you allow a bunch of goals in the second period, now all of a sudden you're down and you're chasing the game. The script is flipped a little bit. So now it's the Edmonton Oilers who are essentially a defensive shell and the Jets are pressing, pressing, pressing. I believe the shot attempts in the third period was 41-5 to or something like that. The actual shots on goal, outrageous. I think Natural Stat Trick had the high danger scoring chances, like 7-1 to like one or 7-2 to two for the Jets. So it was a great third period. You could argue maybe some score effects a factor. You could also maybe argue the Hitchcock effect a factor as well. Uh, but regardless, it, it's nice to see that that fight from the Jets that when they do give up a lead, they can get it back. And, and we haven't seen that earlier this year is that when, when teams start scoring on them, they keep scoring, they keep scoring, and then they just still keep scoring. And, and the Winnipeg Jets can't stop it. Uh, they did an okay job against Chicago uh, last game as well before the Oilers. They get, they're up for nothing, give up three straight, but they stopped that. Still a little bit too many to give up. And against the Oilers too, you give up one too many, now all of a sudden you're chasing the game. But but it's just a, a weird little quirk this season that we haven't seen in years past that the Jets have to learn how to fight through. Now, we've so it was a really good game last night for the Jets. They've won three in a row right now. They're near the top of the division. It's given me a lot more confidence just seeing them put together some wins. I've heard that they're actually on a better pace to start the year than they were last year. Yeah, one point actually through the same amount of games. One point more than they were than they had last season, sorry. Yeah, and so just going to the game, and we were talking about this at the game, it's fun going to the building when you feel you have a chance to win every night. It's fun watching the game and even if you lose, you know that there's a pretty good chance we're going to make the playoffs. Because I remember in seasons past, every loss was like, oh no, that might be it. We might not make the playoffs. But now it's like, we're we're in second in the entire West. We're looking good. We're well, we were a, first again for a few minutes. Right. And so we're in a comfortable playoff spot. And it's like, there's not that same pressure. There's not the, the sky is falling if we lose. It's a really, it's a nice feeling as a fan in my opinion. And so we're, there's still a couple of things we want to talk about, though, here on the uh, Fan Response Show. And so we're going to actually include the next two questions or next two topics in the final segment. Uh, and that one actually, both of them looking at defense. 
All right, so the next two questions or next two topics looking at defense. Again, this is our fan show uh, taking questions and topics from Twitter. We are at Jets and Podcast if you ever want us to talk about anything uh, on this show. This one coming from um, C. Weber 17 or C. Y. Eber 17, probably C. Weber. Uh, should the Jets trade for Duncan Keith? Kyle? No. <laughs> okay, done. Next question. Uh, Metal Dude. Do you want to elaborate at all? Oh, he's old. He's got a terrible contract, and he's got a full no-move clause. So that's a hard no on all three. It's true. Um, I, I don't see any positive, to be honest. I, is he still good? Maybe. But like I said... It, well, it, we talked about earlier in the show that you could need to upgrade left-handed defense, but I just don't think, and I'm with you as well, uh, for the price... Uh, that it's going to cost you to get him, even if he was to waive his no-move clause. Because, let's be honest, the Jets have a much better um, opportunity of making the playoffs and going farther than the Chicago Blackhawks. But I just don't see him leaving that place right now. He's got a bunch of years left on his deal. He's an aging defenseman as well. Um, so you, you could argue that his actual salary is actually quite low, uh, especially as, as his years move on so I think in two or three years time his salary is only actually like one or two million dollars but his cap hit is still way higher than that because of his such a front-loaded deal and the Winnipeg Jets while you would love to pay a guy less the organization would love to pay a guy less the cap hit is what is worrying for the Winnipeg Jets it's not the actual money it's the cap hit that that is the big issue for the Winnipeg Jets especially next summer see the big thing is for all of these players like uh, we see right there with um, Duncan Keith. All of these players are usually still good, serviceable defensemen, just not necessarily for the price point, for how many years left, etc. If he had a contract of $1 million, would you want him on the left side? Absolutely. Trade for him. If he's got a one-year deal at $1 million, done. Heartbeat. No problem. Put him in the lineup. But again, I've heard some reports of guys who see him regularly. He's not quite the same defenseman that what we've seen in years past. I don't know what it is, whether it's the Miles, maybe he's just having a down year. I don't think, yeah, again, we've gone over this. I think we're going to kind of just leave it at that. Next question, though, uh, we wanted to, the final one, actually, for today's show. Uh, Metal Dude 9 like the handle. Uh, thanks for uh, messaging us. Is Truba worth 8 mil? I'm assuming he means $8 million per season. Maybe he means $8 million spread out over four years. That'd be nice. Just kidding. That's not going to happen ever. $8 million, kind of a number he's picked. Personally, I'm of the opinion the Jets are going to get one more year of arbitration, and then after that they're going to have to trade Truba because I really don't see a way where he signs a contract long-term in Winnipeg. Do you, do you see that happening? No, I, I, I agree with you. Um, so I don't know if it really will come to that. But the, the question is asking, is Truba worth it? Right. And okay, I would right. say the answer is no. Uh, same as Duncan Keith. You don't want Keith? Truba's not worth $8 million. As simple as that. But let's be honest here. Jacob Truba right now is making $5.5 million, and that's what an arbitrator valued him at. So there was assessments made, and the arbitrator looked at his work, looked at everything, and they said, this guy's worth 5 and a half. So to say, is he worth $8 million right now? Probably not. That's a huge jump. That is that is a pretty big jump. And so just kind of like looking at a comparison and like there's been a lot of talk about 8 million and that's a fair question to ask. Uh, we really appreciate Metal Dude uh, coming, commenting and asking us that uh, because the way salaries are going up, these guys are getting paid more and more money every year. Guys who were making 8 million before 
are the guys who are now making or who should be now making like nine or ten. And so it's kind of interesting just kind of the way the system works. Young guys are getting paid more than some of the older veterans who are better players just because of when they sign the contract, well, the way the cap's going up. And the other thing is, too, is Trubo worth $8 million? I would say no. But will he get $8 million on an open market? Probably. He probably will. If it gets to free agency, like you said, an arbitration happens next summer, two years down the road, he doesn't get traded, he just signs, totally open market deal. It is very possible Truba signs for $8 million. I would not say that's out of out of the question, but I don't think he's really worth that, given what we've seen from him so far. Can he be a first-pairing defenseman? Yes. Uh, but I know you have it up in front of you there. When you're looking at some of the players who are making around that money right now, I would not put Truba even in the same conversation as any of those guys. No, you look, P.K. Subban, he's making the most out of right-handed, right-side defenseman in the NHL, $9 million. That's his cap hit. P.K. Subban's better than Jacob Truba. Brent Burns is making $8 million exactly. So is John Carlson. John Carlson is probably the best comparable, just in the sense that he's a little bit younger. He's 28. Uh, he just signed his contract with Washington, and that's a long-term deal. But he just won a Stanley Cup. He is a... Uh, he's a little bit more established. He's probably a little bit more offensive-minded than Jacob Truba, especially if you're looking at the season this year. John Carlson's already got 32 points. Jacob Truba has 15 and John Carlson just signed for eight million bucks a season. So, and he's been playing twenty-five minutes a night. He's one of the best defensemen on the team. So you look at that right there. Is Jacob Truba worth that? No. Shea Weber's contract was signed a long time ago. He's making less than eight million dollars a year, just under. But Dustin Bufflin, his contract not too long ago, he's making seven point six. But he got he does get a raise. He does get a raise. Yep. So he will be over that eight million mark. Who? Dustin Bufflin. His cap hit is 7.6. Right now. Yeah. But when his new deal kicks in next season. Right. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, then Aaron Ekblad, he's making seven and a half. And here's a guy who came in as a stud defenseman, number one overall pick. Chris Letang's making 7.25. Drew Doughty is making seven. But he's a pending UFA in Again, for an absolutely massive raise. He is raise. going to be getting a massive raise. Especially with the banter of him and Carlson going back and forth saying, I'm going to get paid what I'm worth. And again, Eric Carlson, also a UFA, he's going to get a massive raise. But so you look at some of these numbers, I would say he's worth less than $8 million. I would say he, I would rather have pretty much any of those guys listed than Dr Jacob Truba. And that is not a slight to Jacob Truba whatsoever. But would I rather have John Carlson on my team? Probably. Would yes. I rather have Brent Burns? Would I rather have Aaron Ekblad, Chris Letang? Drew Doughty, I would rather have any of those players rather than Jacob Truba. Jacob Truba is a good defenseman. He's not lighting the world on fire offensively. He's not a major offensive threat. He's not looked at yet among the NHL's elite when it comes to shutdown defensemen yet either. When you go around the league, nobody ever brings up, oh man, who's the best shutdown defenseman in the league? They don't say Jacob Truba, generally. They still classify him as a young, kind of up-and-coming right-shot defenseman. But, let's be honest here, he's already 24, so he's basically just, he's in his prime right now. I, he'll probably get paid eight in an open market. I just wouldn't pay him that much. I think the Jets are going to have to trade him before next trade deadline. So I think, uh, as well, Jacob Trouba is not the best defenseman on the team, right? No, he's not. And, and so we know he should make less than Dustin Bufflin. 
I personally think Josh Morrissey is better than Jacob Truba. I, I know a lot of people have argued that, that Josh Morrissey is the second best defenseman. Some people even argue he's the best defenseman for the Winnipeg Jets. I think Josh Morrissey, if anybody, is worth that $8 million mark. And I think Truba is a little bit below that. So what would be fair for Truba? Six and a half, max maybe seven is what we kind of talked about in summer. Uh, I think with the with the market going up though, and especially if uh, somebody's signing him to a premium as a UFA in a couple of years, he might get $8 million on the open market, but I don't think he's worth that to the Winnipeg Jets right now. So a lot of different topics covered on today's show. Thank you very much to everybody who commented and uh, talked about this on Twitter. I uh, really appreciate uh, all of the uh, people uh, commenting. We actually just got one from the High and Wide podcast. Uh, that's actually one of my coworkers uh, who's on that podcast. Uh, give them a follow. Uh, best memory of the Winnipeg Jets 1.0 or 2.0. Kyle, uh, just quickly here to close out the show. I, I think uh, I'm going to go back to last year's playoff run. Uh, there was nothing quite like those whiteout parties, uh, the entire city getting behind them. And yeah, you could argue maybe when they made the playoffs back in 2014, uh, but it was not the same atmosphere in Winnipeg as what we saw last season. That is my favorite moment uh, so far for the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah, for me, I am right there with you. It is all about that playoff run last year uh, because... Neither of us were really around for the former Jets. Uh, Timu Solani and the throwing the glove in the air, shooting it out of the air. That was amazing. And that was great. But I didn't witness it. I wasn't really a part of that uh, when it happened. But for the playoff run, for me, it was Game 7 against Nashville. Just the excitement, the intensity, the... The whole atmosphere of that series, and especially game number seven, uh, for me, that's probably uh, my favorite memory of the Winnipeg Jets over the years. Well, that does it for today's show. Uh, we're going to stop taking questions right now. Thanks to everybody uh, who commented on Twitter. If you ever have anything you want us to talk about, hit us up at Jets and Podcast. Find all of the Jets Nation podcasts at JetsNation.ca. All right, so we almost never do this. Come on after the extra of the podcast, but we do want to just make one quick stat correction. Uh, Kyle was looking at the numbers just kind of wrong. Uh, Dustin Bufflin's current contract pays him just under $8 million a season. That was the last deal that he signed. Uh, that was at, for the start of the 2016-17 season. So Dustin Bufflin's current contract under uh, $8 million, cap hit of 76